Cartesians never introduced themselves. Behind the duplex, in a jungle of sumac, bindweed, and ailanthus, you could find half a dozen sample gravestones, nameless and without ornament, if you knew where to look. At the far end of this jungle lay the boundary of South Avenue Park. What both boys remembered about their father before he skidded one icy morning into the path of an oncoming car to his death, was the park after supper, that last summer with him in 31. Ben and Willie were eight. Papa would bring his glove, an old Rawlings made for a giant sloth. Ben could fit his whole face into the palm. He loved the smell of leather and sweat, and that other smell he couldn't name, which made him feel sad and powerful at the same time. The smell of games played and won by his father, long before he was born, on sandlots in a town called Onaway in northern Michigan, which furnished the rest of the world with steering wheels, and said so on the sign marking the city limits. Onaway steers the world, that's what it said, laughed Papa. Hidden in the thumb of Papa's glove was the silver coin that had protected him all through the war, and Papa liked to tell them the story of how he'd found it. They always asked him to tell it. The jungle between South Avenue Park and Seventh Avenue was the forest in X, where Papa had crawled with half a dozen buddies into a trench they hadn't dug, and the grenades were zinging over their heads and the rockets were exploding on all sides of them. And there, close to his elbow, gleamed this coin, a silver coin, a man in a winged cap on one side, a skull on the other. In the jungle it shone on Papa's outstretched hand like the wise eye of a magic animal. Private Harkissian tucked it into his pocket and fired at the invisible enemy beyond the trench. Everything fell silent. With a thin, whizzing cry, a single grenade rushed toward him, changed its mind, and veered sharply to the left, as if it had remembered a previous appointment. Ben guessed Papa was right when he said that probably the man who lost the coin was dead. Papa said that if you could look death in the eye, he brought the coin close to Ben's face, you could challenge him to a game of poker and maybe win a reprieve, or gin rummy, or dirty eights, if that was the only game you knew. It was the only game Ben knew. He didn't say that the coin was a powerful charm against fear, hurt, and hand grenades, but Ben grew up believing that if his father had had it in his pocket the morning his truck skidded on the ice, the coin would have saved him. In the summer twilight that promised to go on forever, Ben and Willie and their father found seats in the half-empty bleachers in the park and watched the men work out. There were always men working out, and sometimes there were real games, Ann Arbor High against Dexter High, or Flat Rock, or Celine, 
or the Methodists against the Baptists, or the Broadway Rangers against the Liberty Street Badgers. It didn't matter. They'd watch anything. Of those evenings, Ben remembered that night never came till the lights began to go on at nine, and then it came all at once, and he remembered that the ball was alive. Not as he and Willie and Papa were alive, but dumb, inscrutable, mischievous. The players smashed it and caught it and spit on it, and they still couldn't go to the places it went, high over the trees and out of sight. One minute you had it safe in your glove, and the next minute you lost it. Willie remembered the names of the teams and the statistics. Walking home...